Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Ancient Health Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. She is known as the girlfriend doctor. She is Dr. Anna Kabeca. She's an OBGYN, a triple board certified and fellow of gynecology and obstetrics, integrative medicine and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. I think we maybe should have started with a list of things you don't do. (laughs) I'm I'm forever student. (laughs) Yes, she has special certifications in functional medicine, sexual health, and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. You may know her as the podcast of the Girlfriend Doctor Show, uh, or maybe you have picked up one of her books, The Keto Green 16, The Hormone Fix, and the soon-to-be, soon-coming menu pause book, which we're super excited because the launch is here and we're going to highlight some of that later, but you may know Dr. Anna Kabeca. She makes waves in the space of hormones and understanding how hormones change for women, what normal hormones actually should look like and how they should be experienced. So make sure you check her out. She has incredible courses, cooking recipes, and a supplement line. We're going to dive right in because there's so much meat to this episode. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Kabeca. I am blessed to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you. We're very thankful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I am. I'm excited because, you know, hormones are such a popular topic but I don't know of a single woman right now that probably hasn't experienced hormone imbalance. And I think what oftentimes is focused on is just this managing the symptoms of hormone imbalance, instead of really understanding that it's not normal to have these symptoms. That is just the red flag indicating that there's imbalance and that you're, you're saying this is not normal. You know, if you're experiencing cramps and bloating and debilitating symptoms, you know, we've got to look at what is the body trying to tell us? So I would love for you to maybe even just start by just introing us to how it is or why it is that hormones are so dysregulated right now. What do you feel like the biggest contributing factors are and where you feel like the biggest gap is that a lot of women are missing, whether they're, you know, pre-menopause, menopause, whatever stage that is, you know, what is it that you feel like is the biggest miss in, in the hormone um, segment of our health right now? Yeah, I think this is such an important topic because women, even young girls are told, oh, you have PMS. I mean, okay, yeah, that's normal. I don't want to hear about it. And, you know, or here's the birth control pill to just stop you from experiencing it versus getting the underlying changes. And I think one of the big things is the, the misses, the mistake that we make is that recognizing that hormonal imbalances start early, right? They start early and it's a symptom of something underlying. And it's not, it's not a problem. Like I, the anti-estrogen conversations I feel are strongly misogynistic and it's, you know, the, the whole concept about, you know, suppressing this or it's estrogen's fault or it's, I mean, it's just, it's not correct. And I think that's a really big mistake. It's not all about estrogen. In fact, estrogen is one of the minor hormones. And and I say that and I think, oh my God, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a medical education. 
<laughs> to learn I'm not laughing. That's just quick. It's so true. Estrogen is just a little bit of it. <laughs> it. It's so true. Prime years of my life. And, and when it comes to it, it's not so much the reproductive hormones. It's the underlying hormones that, you know, even we can, it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. And I write about that in my first book, The Hormone Fix and all the ins and outs of it. And when it comes to estrogen, testosterone, even DHEA and progesterone, it's really the bigger culprits that be like, those are students. If we consider our hormones as, as a group of university students or students in a classroom, the, the teaching hormones, the professors of that student body is insulin and cortisol. Those are two really big players that will affect the rest of that student body. And above that, the dean of the school or the principal of the, of the school, the head of the university, that's oxytocin, right? That's oxytocin. And when oxytocin's in charge and it's good, right? It's, it's like powerful. Every, everything else plays better, right? Everything else is better in our lives. And that's power. And we miss that in all our conversations about hormones. We are missing this one key factor. And it's the most alkalinizing hormone in our body, counteracts cortisol. I know it's a powerful effect. Oh my gosh. This is just good stuff. I'm nerding out about this right near doc. This is really good. I don't want to interrupt, but it's saying, okay, so it's the most alkalinizing and so, but oxytocin for the people out there, it's like going to be like more of a, the empathy type hormone, right? Is that the one, like you say, it's one that helps you feel affectionate, makes you feel in love, makes you feel like you want to be around somebody. Is that correct? Yes. Oxytocin is the love and bonding hormone, the hormone of connection. And it's the hormone that, that gets us into labor, right, Courtney? <laughs> it's the <laughs> hormone that gets us into labor and, uh, and, and, and helps us get pregnant. All of those good things, right? It's the hormone when you deliver this baby, you're bathed in oxytocin. It's that bond. You're like, you're looking at this child because I just delivered my first grandbaby. I just delivered Aww. her. And my poor daughter went through so much pain, complete natural childbirth, not even an Advil. God bless her. I, I, she did better than me. So um, I, she, we're looking at this baby and you're just in a flood of oxytocin. So this little child that caused my daughter tremendous pain in my heart palpitations, it's connection. It's bonding. Like, oh my gosh, love that. And it's also analgesic. It makes you forget the pain. So you end up pregnant again. Anyone can relate to that? <laughs> you end up you end up pregnant again. And, um, <laughs> and it's a good thing, right? And it's the hormone uh, that is secreted in intimacy and connection. It's why sex should not be taken lightly, right? It's one of those like you want, it's used to, it's used to bond you in your intimate relationship. And that's beautiful. It's the hormone of laughter. It's the hormone of giving when you're charitable, when you give, you know, biblically, when we give, there's so much more that we will receive. It's a powerful connecting hormone. Wow. And, and okay, so I say it's the most alkalinizing because it counteracts cortisol. And cortisol is the most acidifying hormone. So this is why that you can be completely vegan, vegetarian, eating all these plant-based alkaline foods and still have an acidic urine pH. Why what? is that? Stress, cortisol. Cortisol increases hydrogen ion secretion across your renal tubules creating more acidic urine pH, which makes sense. It's a catabolic hormone. It breaks us down. It robs Peter to pay Paul. It's a life-saving hormone at the consequence of everything else. So in the contrary, you can, you know, you can be out partying with friends, have a great night laughing, having fun, drinking wine, and wake up the next morning with a very alkaline urine pH. You're like, what the heck? What, what's that about? You just, you had an oxytocin bathed night, right? 
So, I mean, that's the power of our hormones. So it's, it's important what we eat and how we nourish our body. But by design, our physiology is, is empowered by connection, love, and, and community. That is, that's amazing. I, I'm, I'm very, so hopefully I don't take away from that. It was just great. But like when you say with insulin and cortisol, so we know that it, oxytocin influences those, and that has a bigger effect on the body than, I mean, basically, it, it, estrogen is a lower, like on the lower ring or ronger scale. Because I was wondering, Doc, this just clarify for me and people out there, like, when, when you read like hormonal, you know, pathways, and you're talking about like DHEA and pregnenolone and progesterone, and then they say like at times, and I don't know if this is, I want your expert opinion, that you can take pregnenolone, it can be turned into progesterone, and sometimes if you have too like high much of stress, some of that can be shifted over into cortisol uh, creation. And so it in some ways can rob the body from having the material to create like DHEA and testosterone because it's going into cortisol. is is that on plane? Is that right? Or is there other? Absolutely. Absolutely correct. Yeah. We call that the progesterone steel or the pregnenolone steel. So we, again, uh, you know, we need that progesterone and pregnenolone for cortisol production. So oftentimes we're seeing at times of high stress, pandemic level stress, irregular menstruations, right? Irregular breakthrough bleeding, um, in higher infertility factors because progesterone is needed to maintain healthy pregnancy. That's good. Okay. Sorry, Court, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, just, I, no, I had to get that out of my brain. Great. But and that's exactly right. Yeah. I, I would love to know too, you know, if somebody's thinking like, okay, I, I, I've heard of oxytocin, I've heard of all, you know, progesterone, don't necessarily know all the pathways, but oxytocin sounds like it's a downstream hormone. So if you're, you're, you're trying to, you know, not have this cortisol dominant stressful state, and we want to have more of this feel good oxytocin, because we know that, you know, that's obviously going to be like a reward center for the body. It's this feel good. It's the connection. A lot of people are missing that, you know, that's that they're like, I, I don't feel like I have any of that in my life. So how do I get more of this? What are the things that influence the body's ability to produce oxytocin other than just high levels of stress? Are there, you know, nutritional elements or, you know, just other lifestyle components where people can move those metabolic toggles, so to speak, to help increase or improve, you know, that oxytocin output that they would experience? Yes, absolutely. And I list some of the foods to help increase oxytocin in my first book, The Hormone Fix, but ultimately it is getting keto green, like healthy fats, take away sugar, you know, take away sugar because that's going to create inflammation in your body. And that's going to take away from, you know, your body's restful, nurturing, breeding state, right? And this is so important. I mean, a research research was done in in elderly. I'd say elderly because that would be my age group, and um, but it was really like seventy and above, looking at muscle cell regeneration with oxytocin stimulation, and saw even in elderly muscle we see that regeneration with with oxytocin, which is so powerful. So things that increase oxytocin certainly is anything that we can do to temper our production of cortisol. So positive mindset, gratitude you know, thinking joyful thoughts, where do we see love? Where do we laugh? Where are we connected? Those are powerful things. And when you're oxytocin deficient can be for many reasons. And this is really 
what we're seeing in parallel now, I mean, there's so many factors to think about with oxytocin, how we can empower it. Certainly we can prescribe it. And mm -hmm. I think for short term and PTSD and depression for orgasm assistance, it's a short term crutch. It can be helpful that way, but the things that we can do to be in a state where we're oxytocin dominant on a regular basis is even more powerful. And that's something that's not on a prescription pad. And so it's these thoughts that we have with ourselves. How do we look on the bright side? How do we compartmentalize and let go of the negative? And uh, coming from a place, and it can sound like I'm all rosy and cheerful and, uh, you know, la vie en rose life, but I've had trauma. I've, I remember a time not that long ago where I'd wake up in the morning and before I opened my eyes, I'd cry because I didn't know how I could face the day. I didn't want to face the day. Mm -hmm. And so these disciplines of focusing on producing oxytocin increasing the things, you know, focus on, right? It says in the Bible, focus on what is good, yes. noteworthy, trustworthy, loving, kind, beautiful, you know, all of these things we want to focus on, because as you focus on that, it, it shifts your physiology, it shifts your physiology to more oxytocin dominant one, let's go of the things that we don't need to focus on. And that's been a practice. Now, before I open my eyes in the morning, where did I see love yesterday? What am I grateful for? You know, where can I laugh? Where did I laugh? Where could I laugh more? You know, because like sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. I certainly do. So these are things that increase your body's natural production of oxytocin. And of course, sex, intimacy, you know, doing things you enjoy, um, laughing with girlfriends, having a pet, healthy longevity and marriage, marriage, uh, and pets are two things that increase our longevity. And it's the oxytocin power right there. Uh, having mean, someone who has your back. Mm -hmm. That's a, a great point. I think that when, uh, how you both have talked about, like how you say mindset, like many times, do you see in our culture, I'm asking like a lot of people, like you say, are eating a correct way and they're doing everything they're they're supposed to do, but they still have, you know, in a sense, depression or they have hormonal imbalance. And like you said, like having a discipline to do the practice oxytocin release, like I'm guilty of not doing that. Like, but I remember um, at times when uh, I was, you know, one of my relatives, an older lady, she just basically was saying, she goes, why don't you just spend five minutes a day looking at that cup, cup half full? And I was like, and then I started to recognize that most all my thoughts during the day were like, I have a problem and I got to solve that problem. And now, like with the pandemic and with things that are going on now, especially with infertility, I, I would assume that most of the ladies, I'm not just picking on ladies, but I would say that they're like, oh, I'm not feeling, I'm depressed. It's like, because that's not really taught. It's not really like recognized in the medical industry, right? Like, or in the health industry, like to actually create positive thoughts and thinking. Would you say like, is there a particular amount of time? I know it's been really picky, doc. I'm just saying like, like you get up in the morning, do, it. do you do it for five minutes? Do you do it for 10 minutes? Because I know people out there are going to be like, wait, how long do I need to practice my oxytocin release right now? <laughs> I think it should be a discipline throughout the day, but it's just that minute before I open my eyes that I think, mm. okay, you know, we're, you know, focusing on the things that are good in my life and then put my feet on the floor and start the day with whatever practice I'm doing. Definitely it's, it's hydration, it's, you know, exercise, it's all those good things for my body and physiology. But before I get out of bed, it's a daily practice. And I, I want to share with you how I stumbled upon this because this led me into the whole keto green, keto alkaline journey. 
Because one of the things I always tell my patients to do is, you know, check your urine pH, you know, check, you know, test don't guess. So these are, you know, I use ketone and pH test strips. So put them on one test strip to measure that you're actually getting into ketosis, number one. And number two is that your urine pH is alkaline. And when I first started the getting into uh, ketogenic diet or ketogenic dieting, low carbohydrate dieting, I uh, was feeling terrible. And I was like, what's going on? And then did what I told my patients to do, check your urine pH. And I was as acidic as the urine pH paper would read. And so that led me, okay, this isn't good for me. I need to add in the alkalinizers, support my gut microbiome, add in the dark leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables to help with hormone detox. All those things was good. And and that definitely helped. In the mornings, I did my gratitude journaling, my prayer devotion, and or walked on the beach. I was My urine pH was more alkaline all day. That led me on the discovery. Okay. What's going on here? What's the physiology of this? You know, powerful. How for how the mind can affect the chemistry because everybody thinks it's like a separate thing, but I'm like, no, that's amazing. You can't separate the two. You cannot separate separate the two. It's too good. I'm writing all that down, doc. That's Uh, incredible. If you had somebody, say you had a a patient that came to you and they're just really bottomed out, you know, bottom of the barrel, they just, you know, extreme levels of stress, likely, you know, inflamed so that, and they feel brain fog, they feel depression. They don't even have, you know, because some people, it's so hard to start implementing some of these practices where they start getting some traction and feeling improvement. And so it's like just getting them a little bit elevated can all of a sudden they can start to see progress. But for somebody that's just really tanked and it's like, they just can't even do, you know, they don't have it in them. There's, there's no resources in the bucket, you know, to practice those, you know, gratitude or do a a good walk in the sunshine and those kinds of things. Where did those people begin for you? What, what's yeah. like a, a good starting point? And I, and I have been there, Courtney. I have been there. Part of my journey, you know, that I would say depressed, stressed, and my hormones were a mess. And, and I remember it's like, oh my God, I can't even, I can't even do it. And often like, you know, what am I getting up for? I'm getting up for my children. I'm getting up for, you know, you know, I gotta, I gotta pay the bills. I gotta do something. Right. And so it's that, and, and that's going to keep you in a, a downward spiral. You have to get up for yourself. And so it was that, you know, maybe it's a mantra that says I'm worth it. And I I had this patient, I'm thinking about her right now. And um, her name was Michelle. And she came to my practice, a beautiful woman in her mid thirties with this gorgeous black kinky curly hair. And she'd been coming to my practice for a year. And I'd see her and always trying to address underlying chronic fatigue. And, you know, we're trying to detox and There always seemed to be something getting in the way. Then I finally asked her, I said, what do you like about yourself? And she said, nothing. I didn't have a, I didn't have a hormone problem there, did I? Mm -mm. So I said, God, I love your hair. And all of a sudden she smiled. She was like, oh yeah, I got good hair. And, and she smiled and that was genuine. I said, throughout the day, just say, I love my hair. Just start, just shift. What is one thing in your life that is positive? Maybe it's your child's name, grandbaby's name, but I want it to be about you. Hey, I great teeth. I got teeth. How's that one? Yeah. Hey, I can be happy about that. I got teeth. You know, I mean, you know, and just start, start from there. We have to change the downward negative spiral to create this upward positive energy. And hormones are energetic. Physiology is powerful. Willpower is physiology. 
right? So, I mean, I don't have to have willpower because my physiology, I don't have to think I got to do this. I don't have to do this because my physiology is at a state where like, oh, I get to, you know, I can make choices, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's really powerful. I used to have terrible cravings and again, the depression and the PTSD, post-traumatic stress. I had mm-hmm. flaring PTSD. And so that led me into this highly energetic, positive energy, physiologic pattern or lifestyle I call the keto green way, the keto green lifestyle. And support your body, nourish your body with food, nourish your body with mindset, nourish your body with people you love. Let go of the things that no longer serve you. And, and it's easier said than done. So you start with one thing, one next right step. That's, oh man, I just... Hormones energetic, that uh, gracious. Uh, I'm going to chew on that for a long while. And when, when you're talking about the hormones, that was such great um, information about how, how to view hormonally and like how people don't view themselves and, you know, how they work off of each other, how you view yourself is how your hormones are, but it's also like how your spiritual life is. And I think that I was, we were, me and Courtney um, had some questions we want to ask you, but I'm like, a lot of ways how we view ourselves is how we're younger. When we're younger, how you know we're basically formatted or we're programmed to view reality, you know, from how we're raised and such. Um, in our culture, though, like in the hormonal replacement or and hormones have shifted, you know, within the ages, probably from processed foods or from undue stress. Do you see that how a person earlier in their life, when they've had different types of hormonal uh, imbalances, what type of effect how they treat it early? contributes to their menopause or is it even taught or is even like given like I don't really hear a lot about in health industries predominantly that you're told to as a woman take care of your hormones right now because you'll it'll help you in the long run because I I never hardly ever hear that I mean uh you don't you don't hear like when a lady has a baby there's not sometimes programs set up for that that person to have their hormones rebalanced after they have a baby you know and it's I think there's a lot of things overlooked but could you touch on about that about earlier in life about hormones how it affects you know people as they go into menopause yeah absolutely and I think if we're having expression of hormone imbalance issues in our youth that is a harbinger of hormone consequences in our adulthood and certainly menopause. And there are several things that affect that. There are, and this is such an important area that needs more identification. We know that hormone disruptors can affect that. So we know from the, like from now, we, the French studies, America, we haven't studied this so well in America, but we know that a huge endocrine disruptor that was given to millions of women called DES, DES, diethylstilbestrol. And it was given, and it was toted advertisements. I've looked this up, advertisements in newspaper. All women need this to have a healthy pregnancy, to have a full-term pregnancy. And that was taught, well, don't you want to have a full-term pregnancy? Well, you need this if you want to be a good mom. You know what I mean? That's kind of the, oh gosh, there was maternal guilt from the time of that positive pregnancy test. So like, it was just terrible. And well, what they said, well, it was FDA approved, right? FDA approved. Okay, so what should that mean? So that's another, I would digress a long <laughs> rabbit hole on that one. Doc, you got to be careful. <laughs> I, gotta care. I know, I, wa- I want us to air this podcast. So, so, so what happened? Eight-year-old, nine-year-old girls were showing up with vaginal cancers, vaginal cancers, boys with undescended testes. And that led to increases in cancer surveillance, increases in cancer. We didn't know. And so that went on from 1948 to 1971. 
like somewhere between five to 10 million doses giving. And, and that affect that generation. Well, is that generation the only generation affected? The French, French have since studied this in the children, those children's children. So the third generation. And what they note is increased risk of cancers, infertility, gender identity, confusion, and the list goes on. And the third generation. So where is this hormone disruption coming from? So we have to look at these hormone disruptors in our food sources. And I'm actually going to Paris to speak the World Food Bank and WHO and um, the head of NASA Innovation, Crystal Johnson, Dr. Crystal Johnson is there, a past president of Ireland. And I get to speak on the effect of hormone disruption affecting our fertility and our longevity. And, you know, not very long, but I'm going to make my points. So, <laughs> but it's a crucial, what is, what are, what we're eating, ate or was injected or treated with affects us. What our food has been sprayed with, modified with affects us us, not just us, our children for generations to come. And so, so what's causing that powerful hormone disruption showing up in our youth? It can be endocrine disruptors. Good. We can, we can clear out a most, most of those by empowering our physiology, detoxing, supporting our phase two detoxification pathways, decreasing inflammation and, and taking out, you know, as much sugar as we can and all those chemicals. So we can help that. And the, and the other thing is adverse childhood experiences where their adverse childhood experiences, they affect our hormone balance and inflammation. And we know women who go through perimenopause and menopause less well than others have typically had some adverse childhood experiences or post-traumatic stress stressors. And it's like, you know, menopause becomes this pressure cooking type physiology and add in health, you know, healthy amounts of stress. And all of a sudden you've taken the lid off the pressure cooker. There's Ooh. an increase in psychosis, neuroendocrine vulnerability. There is this, you know, worsening scenario where women are going through menopause traumatically, and it doesn't need to be that way. Menopause is natural and mandatory and suffering is optional. And so when we can address the hormone imbalance symptoms early, that's powerful. Everything we can do for our youth, taking away, I'm sorry, taking away dairy, taking away sugar, taking away preservatives. And I say that with a 14 year old downstairs homeschooling right now. And I bet you she has a Dr. Pepper under her bed, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, but <laughs> I mean, so we'll, we'll, we do what we can, right? I'm going to make some, some good dinner, good lunch here later. So. And, and so like when you, so like a recap, like when you're saying like, you know, we have like pesticides, genetically modified foods, and then you have, you know, when they use things that were endocrine disruptors and you had like when they're administering those types of medications out, like when we talked about phase two, like that is description, is that like with liver phase one, phase two, like a methylation where um, I've read reports about how what you, like you said, your generations in the past, like, you know, a few generations back, if they have an external environmental stressor, it can shift not your, your genetic order, but the expression of your genes because it damages your genes and your chromosomes. So people out there, hopefully they realize that you could have problems now because your ancestors or your parents went through something like I've had individuals, have you ever, Doc, that um, come in and they'll have high amounts of like evidence that they've had certain types of metals and such or damage, and they never really lived around any type of nuclear power plants, but their parents did. 
And I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's just coincidence. It's just unusual. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's, that's pretty unusual how things can carry in generations. And even scripture talks about that, like how things can pass down generation to generation. Anyway, I just went on a big, long rabbit trail with that. But I just want everybody out there to know that she's saying that things in the past from your parents' stuff can pass down to you with hormone issues. So that was great, Doc. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, not to pile on any more maternal guilt than we already get, but, you know, there's over, you know, 200 chemicals in the umbilical cord blood. And you think about that and you're like, oh man, and, and still, if they didn't have it, what, what's that, um, uh, DDT? I mean, like, when did we stop spraying that, but you're still seeing an umbilical cord blood? Like what? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. I, I was just thinking that when we were saying that, that there are over, you know, 200 that have been found in umbilical cord. I mean, you're, you are born into it. And I think, I think our audience probably knows, you know, at this point too, like it is not really a choice anymore. Like with your food and your lifestyle, you have to be on the front end of it because there's, there's no way that you're getting around it. It's everywhere. And it's been in our environment now for so long that, you know, there's, there's not an, uh, a surface that hasn't already been touched and contaminated. And so it's in our groundwater, it's in the air. And so you just have to do, you have to take extra measures to support your body. Like you said, supporting your physiology and those symptoms, like, you know, those symptoms early on, if you're, if you're a, a female or if you're a parent and you have a child, you know, and think about it, like, I, I mean, we, we were just talking before we were recording about how we have girls and, you know, what my experience was in kind of going through that transition of puberty and changing hormones and things like that. How much more is the toxic burden on the next generation and the generation after that? And so, I mean, we see girls now that are starting their cycles when they're eight years old, and then we see them going on birth control at that, at that age. And so, I mean, I'm not surprised that by the time these, you know, children are now grown adults going into menopause, that there, there is not massive dysfunction. So I guess, you know, I would love to know too, if you are a parent or you have, you know, you maybe a grandchild or something that's going through and it's experiencing a lot of these, um, painful symptoms, what, you know, is it detoxification that should be focused on? Is it, you know, obviously having a clean diet is really important and reducing exposures, but mm-hmm. that phase one, phase two liver detoxification, what, what's like the, you know, one place you would say, I feel like this could be a needle mover for a lot of people. It's just, it's overlooked, you know, it's just not something that's, that people know about or place a lot of importance or heavy level of emphasis on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there, there's so much in that, Courtney. It's just that when we're, um, you know, faced with these, the hormone disruptors, right? Cleansing your body from its powerful. So some, number one, is just recognizing, like you said, I mean, we're all exposed. So like, I, I prefer to choose my stop my toxins, like my Christian Dior lipstick, you know, choose my, <laughs> my, my toxins, but you know, and, but we're exposed to things involuntarily and, and that's important to recognize no guilt about that, but I'm going to choose what I can do about it. So that concept of, okay, how do I support detoxification phase one, phase two? And it's important for our children to know same thing, like the habits that many of our, 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 our children having had four through school, I completely know like snack time, like we really don't need snack time. If you had a good like keto green breakfast, you had enough fat and protein at breakfast, you're not going to need a snack. You need a snack when you've had carbs and then you're plummeting the same thing Mm. with kids, right? They need that snack because they had cereal for breakfast. So then their blood sugar is plummeting. So you got to give them something to get them through the next 
hour of, of teaching. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's recognizing, well, that's, that physiology is, is set up to doom. So compared to, I mean, my kid will eat smoked salmon for breakfast. She'll eat steak for breakfast. She's, she's pretty good that way. <laughs> so, so um, it's a problem when she orders steak out at a restaurant and she wants like that filet mignon. That's mm. the problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> I get that but, expensive appetite early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So it, it's that, um, so it's supporting the dark green leafies, the alkaliners, the methylators, sulfators, glucuronidators that are part of our nutrition plan. So your onions and garlic, your greens, your dark green leafies, your spices, herbs, like even if she's having, you know, a healthy version of a um, caramel macchiato, frappuccino, whatever it is she orders, we make one here. You know, we use um, Indulge Right has this great vanilla caramel sauce and this great chocolate sauce. It's like zero, zero carbs. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's good because it's coconut fat. And um, it's a really nice uh, design. So like using that with organic, no sugar added coconut milk and, and if it's a cup of coffee or something in there too. So you've made some healthy options for and recognize, okay, let's put some cinnamon on here too to control your blood sugar, but it's also good grounding spice for you. Let's see, adding things like that, adding spices, turmeric, curcumin, right? That's beautiful curries. I mean, all of that is medicinal. Mm -hmm. When I think about it as our role as physicians in medical health is that empower, you know, way back to the Ottoman empire, the physician to the king was their chef prepared their food based on the constitution, somehow we've lost that. So food is medicine, what we feed our children, what we feed ourselves, it's powerful. And if we know that we've got to nurture ourselves and it's starting earlier versus later. And, and I get, I'm a single mom with kids. I've been a single mom for 11 years now and it can be challenging. It can really be challenging, but to emphasize the importance of, you know, I always say the keto green plate. So that alkalinizing low sugar, lots of greens and good, healthy protein sources and, and healthy fat sources are, are crucial to healthy brain development and healthy hormones. I think that's whenever you see like your platform on social media and with your books, it's, it's alarming how much we see, like Courtney was saying that um, when you have the alter there's no alternatives that are really being taught. You know, when somebody gets a Frappuccino or somebody says they're having hormone disruptors in their lipstick or something of that sort, I mean, the general public doesn't ever really know. And like you say, the ad additional um, uh, supplementation with food as being medicine or taking these small steps every day really do add up. I think that we're in a culture where everybody wants to see something like, I want to see the result right now. And I'm like, well, if you've had those kind of exogenous environmental, you know, things built up in your body over, you know, 30 years, you're going to see the, um, uh, the displacement of the hormones. To that point, I mean, when you start to see that um, how things can add up, like things can actually build up and actually create like, you know, a positive effect in your practice. Uh, let's say out of 10 people, uh, do you see the people who take what you say and do those small, those, those easy steps, do they heal much quicker with their hormone replacement, their bioidentical hormone replacement? Do you see their body receiving it better? Oh my gosh. I, I think it's so powerful. And I've learned this throughout my journey. So one of the things, you know, is that when a patient would come in with all the perimenopausal symptom, worsening PMS and, um, hot, you know, mood swings, irritability, insomnia, loss of sexual desire. And I always told my patients, if you only hate your husband two weeks out of the month, it's your hormones, not necessarily your husband. <laughs> 
Physiology affects behavior. It's so true. <laughs> and mindset. So, but it's it's so true. I have a funny story around that too. I have a good friend. She's a neurologist that I run and jog with. And again, I, I started recognizing like she complained about her husband a lot more at certain times. I'm like, where are you on your menstrual cycle? And she goes, I'm going to start next week. I'm like, girl, we've got to get you, we've got to help your detox pathways. And we got to get you, like, I would just supplement with progesterone, my maca, you know, and, and certainly detox liver support, right? That was a symptom, you know, that was a symptom. You're not as at home in your body or your environment or in your relationships when your body's in balance. Mm. And so when I have patients coming in with those symptoms, I'd start them like, okay, I'm going to draw your, I'm going to draw all your labs, you know, and I look at hormones in many different ways. I look at, you know, serum, saliva, urine. I mean, at at certain times, I don't do it all at one time, but at certain times in your, you know, existence with me as your doctor, I'm going to look at different things. And I write all about the testing in my book, The Hormone Fix too. And what um, I I would put them on this, you know, like an early version of my keto green detox and modified elimination diet and support their liver um, with detoxification support. And I would see them back for their labs in six weeks. And they'll be like, Dr. Anna, I'm like, I don't have any more symptoms. I feel great. I didn't, I I haven't felt better. And I don't remember how long or, and some would say, (laughs) I didn't realize how bad I was feeling till I started feeling good again. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then I review their labs and maybe there's that little bit I tweak with, you know, additional adaptogens like my Mighty Maca Plus, for instance, or, or progesterone and topical hormones. Now, this is the area that I think you're referring to, Chris, like why aren't when I'm using a topical hormone, and they're not responding well, Mm -hmm. that's because they've got a gastrointestinal issue going on. Mm. If your guts unhealthy, your skin will not absorb as well, for whatever reason, it is a parallel. And I haven't seen studies to that have looked at that specifically, but clinically, that is certainly what I've experienced. And that's where I go to a trochee or vaginal hormonal delivery as I'm fixing the gut, the GI tract. So food sensitivities, you know, IBS, celiac, you know, so all of my diets and in menopause, I have five different diet plans because I want to, I pause when you pause, pause something in each of those plans, but the, the, all of them are, are low inflammatory and support support detoxification that's embedded into the food as medicine practice that's right like when because in chinese medicine a lot they, they teach us a lot that your skin and your gut are pretty much like back and forth all day so one of the same this, yeah and i would say the vagina is a good reflection of that too Vaginal oh, okay. health is a reflection of gi health absolutely wow yeah, that's really incredible. I, 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 it's funny because I have my own experience with that a little bit in that I had horrific gut infections several years ago and had lost a ton of weight. I mean, it was really, really bad. And, um, and I had a functional doc that my hormones were completely flat. I was menopausal at the age of 30 and I had had two kids and that she never tested my gut. And so, but immediately got me on a compounded bioidentical hormone therapy. And I mean, it threw my body for a loop. I responded so poorly to it. I stopped, I called her after five days and I was like, I mean, I was having heart palpitations in the middle of the night. I mean, I was, I was having sweats. I couldn't sleep. I, I felt I mean, it was, it was wild. So it's funny that you just correlated that. Cause it just brought that memory back. Cause I stopped it. She was like, well, it just you know, takes your body a little bit of time. And I was like, 
I, this is not, <laughs> this isn't working mm-hmm. for me, but it wasn't until I did a GI map and had addressed multiple gut infections, uh, as a result of having breast implants, believe it or not. And I had all these heavy metals and other stuff feeding, fueling these infections, but anyway, total sidetrack, but it's, it's just interesting that you say that because I, I lived that correlation that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's so Mm -hmm. true. And it's, it's so many people don't aren't aware of that. They think, you know, they have to maybe increase the doses of hormones and the topical cream. And it's not a, you just have to clean the gut and and that makes a, a big difference because it it's it's so true. And, and in, in functional medicine, we say, you know, healing starts in the gut and it's true. No, yeah. That's great, doc. That is good stuff. When you, when you talk about, you know, menopause too, because I think that your, your new book menopause uh, is, is so great. It's such a great supplement because to what you've already done in the hormone fix, because I love that book and I've read it, had it and um, and I think for anybody that wants to get a better understanding of their hormones and really those different pathways, how they interact and why your body's producing them at certain times and what is actually normal, like what you should be experiencing, but, you know, transitions and hormones are inevitable, especially, you know, the, the big one is, is perimenopause and menopause. It's, it's that transition for most women that seems like it's like, we anticipate it to be terrible for one, you know, it's like, it's supposed to be a miserable experience, which, you know, is it's awful that that's, you know, really the stigma that's wrapped around it. But I love that in menu pause, you know, you're, you're giving people like real tangibles of using that food as medicine, as a principle to really help your body transition so that it's not a miserable experience. So maybe you can even touch on that because I think regardless of your level of knowledge of, you know, hormones and hormone pathways and the mechanisms of action, you know, you live in your own skin, you experience all of the symptoms, but you're giving us a great, you've given tons of resources, but in this book specifically, ways for people to the the choices that they have, you know, the meals that they're making, that stuff that's in their range, in their control. So maybe you can talk about what inspired that, you know, as in, in kind of a a secondary phase of your hormone fix and keto green 16 and all of that to, to help people through those transitions so that they're not something that's burdensome. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, many pause has been an evolution of my book. So I started the hormone fix foundational reason reading. And thank you, Courtney, for saying that it really is my manifesto. I touch on I touch on food, hormone disruptors, vaginal health, I mean, stress chapter eight, uh, heartbreaking chapter to write and to read, I know. And, um, but I've learned a lot through my own journey. And I share that in, in the hormone fix. And then I went on then introduced keto green and why it's so powerful for our brains to get into ketosis, like it's energized enlightenment, like that clarity. I think it's why throughout religious traditions around the world, fasting is a part of that. And, you know, in a different way. So intermittent fasting, using ketones for for fuel over glucose and, and how we can integrate that into a healthy lifestyle is very, very healthy and very powerful. So that shifting that physiology, I want to encourage everyone getting into that physiology helps you make better decisions helps you take the next right step. So empowering your physiology, that's, that's number one thing. So from the hormone fix, I wrote a 16 day plan called keto green 16 with 16 hours of intermittent fasting. So very, very powerful. And then 16 key foods to make sure that we incorporate 
you know, healthy, healthy food choices, fermented foods, I mean, really making it as simple as I could. And then from working with clients, you know, uh, tens of thousands of my online community groups and girlfriend doctor community, I, um, I would, you know, a client would say, well, I've been doing this and now I'm stuck. I'm, I've hit this plateau or, and so as I've reviewed, how did they get stuck? What do we need to shift to, to get them unstuck? And that's where these pauses came from. Let's pause, you know, like for example, the five different menu plans that each pause something different to help you break through the plateau. So I think it's really, it was so fun to write and it's a brilliant book. And my editor actually came, Marnie came up with the title because we were talking about the next cookbook. She wanted a cookbook for menopause and all this stuff. And, and she came up with the title menu pause. So I give her full credit for that. And I had fun playing with that and kind of, well, I paused this for this person. I paused this. And I always say there's magic in the pause. And we really need to take that beat, take that pause in, in the menopause transition to refocus on what's so important to us. So in menu pause, we go to like the first six day plan and six days because the gut intestinal mucosa regenerates every 72 hours. So it's two 72 hour cycles. So that'll mm. give you a beat to say, okay, this is feeling good. It can stay on this longer. or This is resonating really good. Or mm, let me try something different. So in menu pause, the first plan is an autoimmune plan. I paused um, nightshades peppers, eggplant, tomatoes, mushrooms. So they, I pause that and it's called keto green extreme. So following mm -hmm. the principles, but pausing those nightshades. And then I go mm -hmm. into a plant-based plan. So we are pausing all meats and focusing on vegetarian protein, vegan sources. So it's a six day vegan plan also to support gut microbial diversity, to um, empower, you know, detoxification, get rid of constipation, which some people when they switch to keto can experience. So that plant-based, and then I go into, well, let's just flip the coin, swing the pendulum back and go nose to tail in a very carnivorous way. And I'm telling you, like I, I was, um, you know, I had a lot of fun with these recipes. I'm like, I got to make, how am I going to make liver taste good? And so I make a cardamom seared liver that my daughter just eats seconds of. It's cardamom seared liver. I'm telling you, she doesn't know it's liver. It is so good. It is so good. What she does now. Now she's looking over like. <laughs> yeah. She's like, mom. <laughs> yeah. Cause I make cardamom seared steak and I was like, what if I made it, you know, on the liver? So, you know, and I think that's really important because through ancient nutrition, we ate nose to tail. We ate, you know, we ate other organs. And so then we weren't taking thyroid in a pill because we were eating, you know, nose to tail, for instance. So I think that's really a powerful uh, pause to take and just see, okay, if I was in the middle of winter and I'm living in a tent and I have no vegetables and fruit, what would, what would empower my physiology? And each of us are so different based on our ancestry and, and everything else. So how does that pause feel? And I find for women, a short pause like that is beneficial, not long-term, but, you know, I think that a short-term really works really well. And then from there, you're already in high ketosis. And I use a lot of herbs and spices for the alkalinizers then you're in high ketosis there. So you're not hungry. So we go right into a cleanse, a keto green cleanse with a liver gallbladder detox start in the morning and then smoothies throughout those six days. And I ran this in my girlfriend doctor community and we're all pretty much menopause or well beyond menopause. And the clients did amazing. They felt energetic. 
skin glowing, healthy. And they're like, can we stay on this longer? I'm like, it's a pause. Pause means... (laughs) So I, I don't know. I don't know how long we can stay on it. So we paused. And anyway, the seventh day is for rest, right? Six day plan, seven day rest or feast or or whatever you want to do. And then then the final plan is the carb up plan. And because many times we're so restricted, we've been so, you know, in this mindset for so long or so carb restricted, we actually need some carbs. So adding sweet potato back and my client would go right to sleep. Be like, oh my God, I haven't slept this well in, in months. And and so this is where these plans have been built from. It's like this, and I say this simple, but you, the way you've laid them out and that you can give people hope that if you lay a basic foundation of like what your body sustains needs as a sustaining fuel source, you know, anybody can heal. And and I think you're right when you talked about how the cooks, when they would look at a the king and it would it would cook for their type and like we i love in chinese medicine how you say spices and herbs are meant to help the constitution of certain organs i think we've really forgotten that in our culture and our diets today like each organ needs certain types of food and you know needs certain types of spices and herbals and um but to see where ladies who are going through menopause and they actually have you know no problems like extremely uh, bad hot flashes i'm I don't say this as a testament of what I'm doing in the clinic, but like we've had some patients that come in with with menopause and uh, one of the things that we coordinate with their primary care and such is that you'll find, like you say, a lot of liver stagnation. And what I'll try to do is I always try to find out like what food source they have to get rid of. And it's really amazing to me, like you said, like just eliminating things like dairy or white sugar has helped their, you know, their menopause symptoms, let alone then you could put in some good spices. So uh, kudos to all the information that you're putting out there and that you're showing people that they can heal with simple steps that they can take. Yeah. And I want to address Courtney's question earlier, because what if the client doesn't do that? How did I see that in my practice? And this mm-hmm. just popped into my head. So I feel intuitively I should share this. I had a client and her name was Sue and she was in her mid fifties, a single mom. She had a teenage boy raising him and she was in a toxic relationship. Plus she owned some retirement Um, some nursing home care facilities. And she was really, really stressed. And I saw her for three, you know, like every year in a row. And I'm like, you've got to, you've got to, I've got to detox you. We need to support your hormones and, you know, change, you know, we got to change some of these lifestyle things. And, and she was mean to my staff. She was angry. And I was like, you know, let me help you. And she come back the next year, no changes, come back the next year, no changes, came back the third year. And I diagnosed her breast cancer. And I said to her, you know, and, and I diagnosed, I felt a lump and I was like, Sue, I got to send you to, you know, we got to go through mammogram and biopsy and let's see what we can do, but let's keep working on your physiology. Let's empower your physiology. So she started, she's like, okay, she goes, I'll do whatever you say now. And so she started with that, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, going through treatment with breast cancer. And she's following up with me and my staff's like, Sue's here, but she's so nice. Like, you know, like I've never like, anyway, we're like happy to see her. I mean, okay. So I'm like, what are you? And I was like, Sue, what are you doing? And she's like, everything you told me to do. I wish I had done it three years ago. Oh yeah. Good story. Right. But it was the breast cancer that was the kick in the ass. And she got out of the toxic relationship. Like you have to pause things that no longer serve you. And when you're strong enough physiology, physiologically to make those choices, that's powerful. You can make them. You need to pause those things that no longer serve you. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's like a mic drop, right? That's what I was going to say. Mic drop. (laughs) Done. It's like, 
You know, I, I love the way that you have set this up too, because you'll see so many fads and diets and trends out there where, you know, it's low, it's just low carb or, you know, it's very, it always eliminates, you know, like if it's just plant-based, it's always just plant-based, but what you're suggesting here, I think is, is so applicable to, you know, everybody, I mean, it, it could be male or female. I mean, anybody that's trying to rebalance and just recalibrate the body's hormones because you're creating these breaks and pockets, like you call them those pauses. And so you're allowing your physiology to catch up and do some healing work. So instead of having to run, you know, a million different labs, which sometimes, I mean, it's one, it's super costly Two, it's super time consuming and not everybody has access to a good provider. Things can get missed. But you're basically saying, okay, we're going to walk your body through these stages and we're going to just pull some things out and allow it to respond. And then we're going to see what happens. And then we're going to move into a different phase. So you're creating windows of opportunity for healing to take place. Mm -hmm. And in like traditional Chinese medicine, you know, we're always just looking at how do we remove, allow the body to just synchronize and do the work it's already trying to do. And so I love this approach. I actually, I really can't wait to personally try this because mm -hmm. it also, I don't, I'm super long-winded right now, but I feel like because the way our culture is, you know, we, I was just thinking this the other day when I was grocery shopping, I thought, boy, I have bought the exact same foods. So for, I mean, months and it's, you know, I'm all about seasonal eating and things like that. But I just realized that I think life's been so crazy and I've just been on autopilot. So I've been eating the exact same thing. And so we're, we're just used to having, you know, berries or citrus or whatever it is year round. Cause we get it from Chile or we get it from, you know, where it's flown in. So we're, we are less likely as a culture to have these pauses, to have these shifts, these, you know, constant changes, like in Chinese medicine, we have different seasons, different foods, things like that. But now, I mean, we just eat whatever we want, whatever we want, because it's always there. So yeah. I think this is, this is a great way to mechanically start, you know, creating a, a different rhythm so that your body now has a little bit of a different landscape to work with. I think that's so, I'm really excited that you just broke that down because, uh, it's, it's, it, I mean, I think that it's incredibly well tailored and I think that you've already seen so many positive responses in your community. I can't wait to, to try it. I would yeah, agree. I'm sorry, Doc, go ahead. No, I was going to say, just like you have to cross-train your workout, right? You have to cross-train your eating. Now, I I mean, like the, the way you put that, Courtney and Doc, before when you're talking about how, like, let's say the skin's associated with the gut. I love it that in Chinese medicine and in in holistic healthcare, it's that, you know, many times if, if our skin was breaking out, we're taught in our culture and creams help, and I'm not saying they don't, but they're like, well, just wash your skin more, put this cream on top. And they, there's that disconnect between like, well, what's happening on my skin could be going on in the gut. And I love it how you're saying in the book, you're saying, no, in Chinese medicine or in anything, like everything does have a correlation. And, and, you're, and Courtney, when you're saying like strengthen things up. I love that aspect about health is like, if you can strengthen the body to do what it was supposed to do, it, it I always say to patients, it like kind of cleans the crud off the top. And so you can sort of see a little bit like what's going on underneath if, if there's something heavier going on. So um, I love when we talk about alternative holistic healthcare, I'm like, it incorporates all disciplines. And I like the way that we can all work together to like, see how you can like take the crud off the top. So, oh, man, this has been such a good conversation, guys. Oh, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been great hanging out here with you guys. Oh, <laughs> we love having you here, Doc. 
Thank this, you. This has really been a treat. And uh, I just, I'm so excited for this book. Um, if you're listening to this, the book is available now. So uh, make sure you go out there and grab it. I know I'm going to have to pre-order because this is a little bit, we're recording a little before, but um, yeah, I'm really excited. So Dr. Kubeka, can you tell the audience where one, they can find you, where they can find the book, how they can connect with your community. If that's something they want to engage and participate in, we'd love to be able to send people your way. If that this is like a season or this is something resonating with them. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely connect with me at my website, which is dranna.com. So D-R-A-N-N-A.com and lots of great free resources there. And then there's the book bonus page. So once you purchase the book from anywhere books are sold, you can come back to the book bonus page for menu pause and get some extra bonuses. So, so be sure to check that out and join me on, um, in, on my online community. We'll be running through each of the plans in my Keto Green community on Facebook. And definitely follow me on Instagram at the girlfriend doctor. I'm on there way too much because where I keep track of my new grandbaby and everything else. <laughs> my girls. <laughs> Four girls. Yeah. There's got to be a lot. There's got to be a lot there. You got to stay on top of it or you'll miss something. I know. Um, I'm like, what were you doing? Where were you? <laughs> hey, it's like, um, I've had plenty of notes. Like I've got to go and put down and stuff now. So I was just trying to type in and write stuff in and man, I got a lot to think about and learn. So we really appreciate you being here, doc. Thank you for having me. Thanks so I bless much. Bless you all. Thank you.